Hello and welcome back to the Frogs of War podcast. I'm Anthony North. That's Russ Hodges. We're here to talk things uh, TCU athletics and coming off a miracle, crazy, chaotic, frantic win in Waco to take down the hated Baylor Bears. Continue this undefeated season, move to 11-0 and on the season. Uh, we're coming to you the night before Thanksgiving. Hopefully you're listening to this. Uh, not avoiding your family, certainly, but uh, <laughs> listening to this on Thanksgiving Day or uh, before Saturday's big game to close the regular season against Iowa State. Uh, Russ, how are you feeling tonight? I'm feeling good, man. First of all, happy early Thanksgiving to everyone out there. I know this will be launched um, tomorrow morning, which will be Thanksgiving morning. Hope everyone uh, brings their appetite to, to Thanksgiving. I know I will, um, but what what a... What an exciting weekend. Um, I was running the game thread for the first half and had to leave for the second half to take care of some things. And I actually went to go get a quick workout in and uh, not ashamed to admit I was running outside like a little 14 year old when, when <laughs> TCU walked off with that win. What a win. I mean, the the miracle season continues and this this team just continues to find ways to win games. I mean, it's it's unbelievable when you feel like, at least for me, when you feel like this might be the time where they just don't have enough. They they find a way to win, and now we have a a tough game coming up against Iowa State. Don't be deceived by the record. And if if the Frogs can win this game and run the table, it's going to be a really exciting weekend in Arlington for the Big Twelve Championship and a, a chance to clinch a spot in the playoff. Yeah. For, for me, when uh, sporting events are not going exactly perfect, I end up just like doing chores around the house. I start like cleaning things and uh, yeah, I mean, I was that second half, I was trying to live tweet and run the game thread. And uh, I just started putting up all the Christmas decorations. So my house is, my house is now fully Christmas you know, we're not even to Thanksgiving yet, but I've, I've got all the trees up and all, all, all the decorations inside the house are all put up just cause that's what could keep my mind from like throwing things. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, certainly a, a huge release of emotion at the end of that game. Um, and, and we can, we can talk about how that all shook out, but I guess at what point was it that you thought maybe this this was it. This was the end, and it was going to come against this you know Baylor rival team that that uh, we did it to them last year, and they get to do it to us and storm the field against and and end this perfect season. Did you have that feeling at some point, or or did you think okay, Max and this, this offense was going to figure out a way to get those final points? Yeah, I think overall my confidence at halftime didn't really waver a whole lot like in the texas game in the texas tech game i felt pretty confident throughout that tcu was gonna win those games albeit uh winning a little bit uglier than we had seen earlier in the season but i feel like at halftime i was still pretty confident that tcu would find a way to pull it out but when griffin kell zoinked the extra point that's when i started to worry a little bit because uh -oh. in in a close game on the road against a quality opponent, those are the mistakes that you can't make. And when that happened and Baylor comes, lo and behold, they go right down the field, score, kick the extra point to take a one-point lead, and then they score another touchdown shortly after that. It's 28-20 to 20 when it was just 28-14, to 14, and now you're like, this, this might be the straw that broke the camel's back. And you had Quentin Johnston going out with the – Reaggravation of that ankle injury. Kendra Miller goes out with an injury. You started the game without Darius Davis. So on a day where you have a critical special teams error, you have injuries piling up on offense, and then the defense, quite frankly, uh, just really struggled in this game, uh, especially on the ground trying to stop the run. It, it seemed like, despite all the all the comeback wins this season. I was thinking with maybe nine or 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter that this could be it. Um, but like TCU's done all season, they, they have found ways to win games and uh, the defense, I will say, despite all their struggles, 
they got stops when they absolutely had to. I think about the Bud Clark interception at the end of the second quarter when Baylor Massive. was running the hurry up and uh, Blake Shapin was really carving up the zone coverage. They were moving the ball easily down the field, but uh, a bad throw in the end zone, Bud Clark picks it off. Uh, a huge play there when Baylor could have potentially scored to take the lead before halftime. Uh, and then forcing the three and out in, in the fourth quarter with Baylor had 28-26. The defense comes out. The Frogs are able to burn all three timeouts. They stop the run and force a punt. And without any timeouts, Max Duggan is able to lead the offense down the field. Had a 21-yard run in the fourth quarter. That was a huge play. Was really excited to see him have a really good game on the ground. He had eight carries for 50 yards and a touchdown. His best game running the ball since Oklahoma State. Coming into this game, he had 43 rush attempts for negative 20 yards over his last four games. And we know that's not the kind of player that he is. And I think he's a bit banged up. You know, I think he was asked after the game how he was feeling, and he just said, winning helps with pain. And, and I feel like that's where this team is at right now. You have a lot of guys that are banged up. This was their ninth game in nine weeks, and eight of those have been conference games. So uh, the Frogs are just continuing to find ways to win. And for Max Duggan, uh, 24-35 for 327 yards, uh, roughly 69% completions, nice, um, and 377 total yards. And to lead the offense down the field at the end of the game, TCU scores nine points on its last two possessions. And without your number one receiver, without your number one running back, without your special teams ace, he found a way to get it done. And I think even if Max Duggan is not the Heisman winner this year, I think this game is enough to warrant an invitation to the ceremony. And yeah, yeah absolutely. Hero ball stuff yeah. there at, at the end. I mean, the, what what he was able to do to to put the team on his back um there at the end and really throughout this game throughout the season um he's he's certainly deserving of that i think uh you know for me i i don't know that i actually had the moment of tcu is going to lose this game i don't know that i had that moment i had the one where almost had it was baylor scores that touchdown to go up 7 and they decide to kick that extra point um, to go up eight. And I, I don't know. I'm sure there's someone who has stats on this or like whatever the chart says to do on kicking that extra point. Um, but I thought there Baylor could have gone for the kill and gone for two and made it a nine point game. Where if you if you keep the game at seven, you're forcing Griffin Kell to make another extra point, which he had had missed one earlier. Um, and if you go to eight, you're still you're not putting away TCU there. So at that point, with it still just one possession, I was still pretty confident. And and even with uh, Demarcado's touchdown that then led to the two point conversion that. Uh, probably was not a great delivery from Max to him there, and but he pr probably a play that that he would tell you he has to make that play to to catch that two point conversion and and score there to tie the game. Even after missing that, yeah, with with all the timeouts left, um, and with Baylor really kind of turtling up there towards the end, um, to you know they. Those last those last two drives were uh, six plays for like fifteen yards um, out of Baylor, where pretty much if they pick up one first down out of those two drives, it it pretty well comes close to over. Mm. Um, so huge credit to the TCU defense in stepping up in those those two situations, um, and and forcing those punts. Um, because yeah, certainly Baylor had every opportunity to, to, to take the game and, and close things out and just wasn't able to do it. Um, you know, whether that's, I, you know, I think Baylor fans were, were a little upset at shaping on that last play, um, before the punt where he definitely had somebody wide open 
and, and decided to scramble it and um, attempt to pick up the first down that way, but only got like seven yards and, and needed 10 or 12. Um, you know, I think that's a tough play to say you should go back and throw it. He's already on the run. Uh, you know, if you throw an incomplete pass there, you save a timeout for the Frogs and you pick up no yards and you're still giving the ball back to TCU. Certainly, um, you know, maybe Shapin would like to have that one back, but I think that's that's probably uh, being a little too hard on him from the Baylor fans saying that that's that's a play he's got to make. I think that's a tough, tougher play than it looks when you take a screen grab of of seeing a guy wide open. But, uh, you know, he's being chased by the TCU defense there. Um, and and I guess to the uh, other otherwise on the TCU defense, I mean, first half forced to zero punts. Mm-hmm. Um, the the only way TCU got the ball in the first half was after a kickoff from a touchdown, a missed field goal, a turnover on downs, and that interception in the end zone from Bud Clark. Um, it it was it was not a great performance from the defense in the first half, and a lot of that though. Um, is Baylor was really scheming things up out there. That that run game that that they had working uh, had some crazy things being thrown in there. Really difficult to stop. Really putting TCU in some bad situations. And we've we've talked about that uh, quite a bit this season. Where um, you know offensive coordinators, opposing offensive coordinators, are able to scheme ways uh, to get space on this TCU defense. I think a lot of that is. Um, the the safeties and the linebackers are not the greatest in pass coverage, um, but then also, uh, you know, with with that three three five, you're leaving a little bit of open space to uh, to create in the run game as well. So they tightened up in the second half, forced those punts, and you know, I, there's there's just there's nothing really that we could say that could overstate how amazing that end of the game was. I mean, it's, it's insane. I can't believe it worked. I mean, mm-hmm. once, once they run that play with DeMarcado, no timeouts left and it's third down. I, I, I thought there was no way they weren't going to screw it up. I, I don't know yeah. what was going through your head. Well, I know Sonny Dykes talked after the game about how that is something that they practice. They call it their bazooka package. Uh, I don't know if that's facts or cap. I'm going to go with Coach Dykes because (laughs) we are TCU guys. But, you know, for Griffin Kell, I'm sure that was an awesome moment after a mistake, missing the extra point. And in that situation, you know, as a player, I think you're just – you don't even have time to really think as you're going onto the field. It's run onto the field and kick the ball. And that ball was perfect. It was right. It couldn't have been more perfect of the goalposts. Yeah. And direct hit. And, and also Jordy Sandy, I think deserves some credit too, for, for getting the unit set up and making sure Griffin Kell was good to kick the ball. They didn't rush it. They had a few seconds to spare before they got that kickoff. And it was a good hold, good snap, good kick. And the fans were, they were, Right on the wall, you know, right, right on the wall. They were ready to <laughs> ready to jump. Field, but uh, TCU sent the Baylor fans home sad, and you know, you brought up the defense early in the game. It, it really felt like the Kansas game at times, where you know Kansas was using a lot of pre-snap movement, a lot of misdirection offensively to to throw the frogs off. But a lot of that was to get guys open in the passing game using some of those tight ends. Um, who wound up wide open over the middle of the field. In this game, it was Baylor using that pre-snap movement and that misdirection to run the ball. You had a lot of counter plays that Baylor ran, and it didn't seem to matter if it was Squirrel Williams or Quaylen Jones or even Blake Shapin escaping a couple times and, and picking up some yards. They just imposed their will up front. And I know we talked on the podcast last week about Baylor's offensive line and the metrics uh, – favoring them as one of the better units in the in the conference so um tcu's defensive line definitely lost that battle at the line of scrimmage in the first half and then uh 
in those third and long situations, I want to say there were at least four plays in this game where Baylor had a third down and 10 or more yards. The first play, I believe, was a third and 12, and Miller Bradford falls in coverage. Baylor picks up 41 yards on a deep pass play and gets a first down. Third and 16, they pick up 15 yards. The Frogs get the stop on fourth and one. But that was a theme throughout the game, too. When the Frogs had Baylor in third and long, obvious passing situations, the Bears got huge chunks of yards downfield. And that just can't happen. Um, the Frogs tried to blitz. They they couldn't get home on any blitzes throughout the game. I think you have to give the Baylor offensive line, again, credit for holding up there. But you got to be able to get off the field in those kinds of situations. And it seemed like the defense really struggled to do that in this game. And it, it'll be, it'll be something that the frogs have to adjust moving forward because Iowa state is a team that is going to want to throw the ball quite a bit as well. Hunter Deckers ranks near the top of the conference and passing yards and passing touchdowns. And uh, considering they haven't had much success on the ground, they could very well be in some similar situations. So uh, hopefully we'll see some adjustments there defensively. And then uh, on the offensive side of the ball, Kendra Miller only had 41 rushing yards in this game on 10 carries. And it was just a tough day on the ground. I think this was one of the uh, biggest challenges this season for TCU running the football. But what I was encouraged with was we talked on the podcast last week, maybe getting away from some of the side to side quick passes out to the perimeter and getting some of the running backs involved out of the backfield in the passing game. And I looked at the numbers after the game. Uh, Trent Battle had two catches for 20 yards. Miller had two catches. De Mercado had two catches. So your running backs combined had six receptions in this game. That's something I think is going to help Max feel a little more comfortable, uh, especially with the health of some of these receivers, Quentin Johnston, Darius Davis, Tay Barber. Uh, their status and practice this week and for Saturday's game are all kind of up in the air right now. So if you can't really challenge a defense down the field, maybe using some of those guys out of the backfield, uh, taking advantage of their athleticism and allowing the quarterback to make some easy throws uh, could help the offense out as a whole. Yeah, the the third and fourth down defense is both – I don't know. It feels both encouraging and discouraging because on one hand you're forcing third and longs, you're forcing fourth downs. That's good, but you're still not getting off the field, at least against this Baylor team, not able to get off the field on those big third downs on those fourth downs. Um, I don't know. I guess it's just something to watch on. Can this TCU defense, turn those third downs into punts um, instead of turning them into fourth and short enough that the other team is going to go for it. Mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, against, against most of the coaches in this conference now, fourth and short in mid-range territory is an automatic go for it. Um, and we saw Texas Tech, pick up several that way. Uh, we've seen Kansas State do it. We've seen it pretty much across the board, maybe not Texas, maybe not Oklahoma State. Um, but it's it's something that really, that third down, it's not good enough to allow, to, to bring up a fourth down. It has to be fourth and punt. Mm. Um, and... And TCU didn't really get that until those very last uh, two drives. And I guess on on the the one third down that picked up a huge gain for Baylor late in the game that ended up leading to their touchdown drive to put them up eight, that third down play, uh, watching back on the replay again, it looked like a pretty clear offensive pass interference pick play. Um, I know it's the kind of thing where make the ref throw that flag and it in that home environment uh, in that emotional state, it's you're probably not getting a flag there. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think it's just, we don't have to be mad about that because the result came out 
in TCU's favor, but I think that's one if if TCU had lost this game, we'd all look back with like a a pretty upset look at the at the referees to allow that kind of thing to happen. And I I mean, you know, Sonny Dykes kind of gave it to him on the sideline, but uh I don't know. It's 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 the thing that that happens that's that's the play that offenses draw up at late in games and say, all right, if you throw the flag or don't. Um but it it, it allowed that big play there for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think when I when I look back on this game I feel like the officials didn't really play a huge part in it. I felt like it was a pretty well-played game uh, all the way through. I feel like if TCU did fall short in this game, yeah, you might have one or two calls that you can look back on and say it it could have made a difference there. But I felt like there were enough plays otherwise. You know, I think about some failed third-down pass attempts, First drive of the game, Max has Quentin Johnston running over the middle wide open on third and five. Just misses him with a bad throw. Uh, second half, I believe, he had Jaquarius Spivey running over the middle on third and nine and throws it behind him. Uh, so those are just kind of little things that throughout the course of a game and the Griffin Kell extra point as well. Um, opportunity to get a two-point conversion and the play is just not executed well enough. Um, I feel like those are things that I would look back on more so than some some call or no calls by the officials now if it were you know super egregious like the uh phantom darius davis did he call a fair catch or not then that, there might right. be another discussion there but overall i feel like this was a a really well played game uh by both sides i think baylor came out with a plan of attack to run the football and control the line of scrimmage and they did that for most of the game but uh, again, TCU just has continued to find ways to win. I think they're starting to get a little bit more respect nationally for that. And I think Max Duggan is starting to get some respect as well for how he led this team back in the fourth quarter. And listen, from someone that didn't think Max Duggan was going to be the starter when the season began, um, someone who has had serious doubts about whether or not Max can be a high-level quarterback for this football team. Someone that has seen the flashes of the potential over the last three years. I'm all in on the Max Duggan hype train now. I am on, I am on board. I am ride or die with this kid. Because I, just, I, don't, I think the, the toughness, the leadership, and just the ability to make it happen when you feel like the frogs might finally be down and out. You know, I feel like you got to, you got to continue to roll with him no matter what. Um, As someone who's gone back and forth at times about if he struggles, maybe do you try Chandler Morris here or there? Uh, This is Max's team. I think this win proved that this is Max's team for the rest of the season. And I am on board with it. I am rolling with it. Yeah, man, there's, there's no doubt about that. I mean, he's, he's not just playing at a high level, he's playing at a Heisman level. And, uh, it's, it's pretty incredible to see. And it's not what we expected coming into the season. Uh, but it, it's been quite something. And, and, you know, he did, he did have a little bit of jitters, I think, to open this game. I think that first drive, he had some happy feet. Um, he, he felt the pressure in the pocket, wasn't getting set, wasn't hitting the throws in that, first couple drives and uh, clearly settled in, had a couple deep balls that, uh, that I guess, I think it was Quentin Johnston hauled in that kind of got him back in the flow of the game early. That uh, that's the kind of thing that, that he needs early is to, all right, you're just chill out. You've got this. You're still the man. It's all good. Um, And, and he kept that attitude throughout and, and, uh, right there to the last drive. I mean, man, I was really hoping on he broke that run that got him down there inside the thirty into field goal range, and I was just hoping he'd just keep trucking, just mm-hmm. just take it all the way to the end zone. Just talk about a Heisman moment. That would have been that would have been quite something. Um, and and to his his Heisman chances at this point, I mean, I think we do have to talk about it. I, he's like fourth in the betting odds. He's mm-hmm. he's right there in the mix, very likely at this point 
if if uh, TCU continues this season this way uh, to make his way to New York, it's probably still. I don't know. Caleb Williams had quite a game to take down UCLA last week. Um, he's probably one or two. And then CJ Stroud is just putting up crazy stats against probably not great competition. We'll see what happens in that big game this week. Um, that, that could send that in, in one direction or another. Um, anything else on the Baylor game before we, we move on to, to other things elsewhere in, in college football? Um, I think the only thing I'll really add is that with the win, TCU eliminated Baylor from Big 12 title game contention. Uh, coming into the weekend, it was Baylor, Texas, Oklahoma State, and Kansas State all vying for that last spot. Uh, Baylor losing, now they're out of it. Um, and just taking a quick look here at the Big 12 scores from this past weekend, uh, Oklahoma exploding in the first quarter of the Bedlam game. Spencer Sanders throws four interceptions and Oklahoma State loses 28 to 13. So the Cowboys are out of it now and it's going to be between uh, Kansas State and Texas this coming weekend to decide who TCU is going to face at AT AT&T Stadium. Kansas State uh, going on the road in a a wild shootout in the first half. Uh, Two pick sixes in the first half of that game. Kansas State wins it though 48-31. Texas destroying Kansas despite uh, Jalen Daniels coming back from his injury. Bijan Robinson runs for, I believe, 243 yards and, and four touchdowns, and Texas wins 55 to 14. And then uh, Texas Tech and Iowa State, uh, a grinder that goes into the fourth quarter. Uh, Cyclones fall just short again. Uh, Red Raiders win 14 to 10. So Oklahoma and Texas Tech both clinched bowl eligibility with those wins so they're both six and five now and uh giving the frogs a little bit of a boost in terms of their resume now they have uh a couple more wins against bowl eligible opponents um yeah i mean 80 percent of the conference will be bowling i mean that's that's quite something i mean yeah yeah only west virginia and iowa state will miss out on bowls cannot get to bowl eligibility so um that's that's good for the resume. Uh, I, I like to see that Texas and Bijan Robinson are still Texas and Bijan Robinson. And that, all right, look, yeah, he's the he's this super duper star running back, and he can put up four touchdowns and two hundred fifty yards or whatever. And but against TCU, he had under thirty yards mm. and was held, you know, completely incapable. Um, against that TCU defense. So I think it just goes continues to demonstrate how excellent TCU uh, the TCU defense was in that game. Um, and then, yeah, so here we are. It's going to be, you know, we're looking ahead a little bit here, a little bit ahead, but since we're talking about it, what, what do you think, Kansas State or Texas? What's your, do you have a preference on who the Frogs play in Arlington? Uh, you know, I don't. I think, if it's Texas, you're going to see a lot of burnt orange in that stadium. Um, I think TCU versus Kansas State would be a really cool story just for the fact that you're having a Big 12 championship game without the two quote-unquote big dogs. You know, Texas is not going to be there. Two years time. in a row. They're not going to be there, yeah. And I think <clears throat> the, when you look at some of the viewership ratings and the, the number of people that are watching these football games, the Big 12 is still having some really solid pull in terms of television uh, viewership. And I just, I think it would be really great to see Kansas state there along with TCU. And if it is Kansas state, you know, it's going to be Will Howard this time. You have a little (laughs) more time to prepare for him, but he's, he's continuing to play well for them. You know, Deuce Vaughn is big time. And uh, I would love to see a lot of purple in that, in that AT&T stadium. So I, I, I hope it's Kansas state. I think it'll be a really good football game. And, you know, obviously we're looking a little bit ahead, like you said, but hopefully the Frogs will be 12-0 and 0 when they get to that point. Yeah, and and if it is Kansas State getting to that game, they're likely possibly to be in the top 10 at that point. I mean, that, that becomes a, a massive game. I mean, I guess if it's Texas, they'd probably be in, like, maybe the top 15 as well. So in, in either case, you're, you're getting a, a big 
opportunity there for TCU to uh, to put on one last data point if if necessary. Um, speaking of data points and and the national picture, so Tuesday's college football playoff rankings. Not much changed up top. Nothing changed up top. TCU held at number four um, as Michigan took a very close uh, call as well, similar to the Frogs needing that late field goal to take down Illinois um, and remain undefeated while Ohio State, uh, the final score looked more lopsided than it was. Maryland had the ball down by six Um late in that game with an opportunity to go maybe take the lead, but instead through an interception or a fumble or something and that was returned into the, that was caught in the end zone uh, and that game was over. Um, setting up a, a massive game between number two and number three um, in Columbus and the winner will be in the big 10 championship and very likely in the college football playoff uh, the loser's still alive, but likely if TCU keeps winning, TCU would jump into that 2-3 game um, and maybe avoid Georgia. I don't know. Again, we're, we're, we're talking too far ahead. There's a lot to – we'll talk about Iowa – don't worry, folks. We'll talk about the Iowa State game in a moment. Um, but just – obviously, that's a huge game. That's an annoying game on, on everyone's uh, calendar looking ahead for this weekend. What do you think? Is it – do we have a preference resume wise or is it just, we know one's going to win, one's going to lose and they're both going to have very strong resumes and probably a committee ends up putting either with one loss ahead of TCU with one loss. If it comes down to it. Yeah. You know, I, I think, you know, first of all, over the weekend, I don't think any of the top four teams really looked all that great. Uh, you mentioned Ohio state was in a pretty close battle at Maryland. Uh, Terps had a chance maybe to make something happen at the end of the game, but uh, little tag of Iloa uh, burps up the rock in his own end zone. It goes for a touchdown, and Ohio State walks away with that game. Michigan uh, needed three fourth-quarter field goals to knock off unranked Illinois. And then Georgia was in a – the dogs were in a dogfight, literally, with uh, Kentucky. So um not surprised the top four stayed the same. I think LSU still being ranked above USC is a bit surprising. Um, I was shocked. Considering yeah. – SC just knocked off a ranked team in UCLA on the road. Caleb Williams is playing like arguably the best player in college football right now. Um, and you you would think that with Utah and Oregon and Washington and Oregon State and UCLA, like all these Pac-12 teams are ranked, the, the committee must value that conference competitively to some degree, right? But uh, for whatever reason, they're still behind LSU. Um USC and Clemson, I feel like, are kind of just lurking right now. I feel like Clemson has a good chance to win out. Now, I know South Carolina just uh, boat raced Tennessee, and I feel real bad about what happened to Hennon Hooker. Hopefully he gets healthy soon. But um, I think Clemson has a fairly decent shot at winning the ACC championship. USC is going to have a huge game coming up against Notre Dame this weekend. I think that's going to be the kind of the second biggest game on the docket behind the big one, Michigan, Ohio state. And I think for that game, I personally don't have much of a preference as to who wins it, because I feel that whoever wins that game is going to play Iowa in the big 10 championship and be a heavy favorite. The the loser, I think with one loss uh, would probably be behind USC and Clemson. Uh, I think that team as a, because it wouldn't, that team wouldn't be a one-loss conference finalist. They would be a one-loss at-large team. So I think if, if whoever loses that game is going to be uh, in the background and in need of some serious help, you know, TCU would have to lose. USC would have to lose. Clemson would have probably to lose. all three of those would have to lose. Yeah. I, I think I think that's what it should be. I, I, who knows what a committee will do? But I, I totally agree with you. I think that. Um, and then again, that's assuming that Georgia beats LSU, which I think is a fair assumption, but you know, that's LSU could win that game and pretty much force two SEC teams into the, into the playoff. Mm -hmm. And, and then you're, then you're really fighting. Um, but yeah, the, the loser of the big game, plus if USC and Clemson win out, um, 
will be an interesting discussion about which teams get in. Um, and, you know, hopefully TCU, we don't have to worry about any of that and the frogs will just keep winning and, and, and we don't have to really be on edge when it comes to that, uh, that selection Sunday in a couple weeks after the big 12 championship game. So the, the next first step for the frogs is to take on Iowa state this Saturday at Amon G Carter stadium, 3 PM, uh, get to close at home against Iowa State in a playoff race. Uh, we we saw this in 2014, and TCU stomped on them, and it didn't end up mattering whatsoever. So, um, you know, I think I have a I have a feeling this game will not go quite in that in that way. I I don't know that uh, this TCU offense is um, you know the Trevon Boykin, Josh Doxson. Uh, at full health, full steam level, I think uh, it's it's going to be much more of a let's get out of here with a win. Um, and Iowa State is much better in 2022 than it was in 2014. Mm-hmm. And you know, being that that defense that the Cyclones will bring into this game is certainly scary, certainly capable of of containing everything that the Frogs are trying to do on offense and. Um, capable of, of pulling this this big upset and ruining TCU season. So the Frogs will definitely have to be on point um, to not allow that to happen. you got to score points. Um, those drives need to turn into touchdowns, and don't let anything weird happen out there. I mean, I think uh, Iowa State games tend to have something weird in the special teams department, um, usually not good for uh for the cyclones but um in any case i i don't know i think it's it's just don't give them any free points in this game and and get yourself out of out of there and into arlington uh with an undefeated regular season that's i think that has to be has to be the goal here obviously yeah i think this is a game that some people in the national media or those who don't uh, pay close attention and watch a lot of Big 12 football. We'll look at the records and say 11 and 0 versus 4 and 7, best in the conference versus worst in the conference. This should be a fairly easy matchup. But uh, Iowa State is the number one defense in the Big 12. They only give up 16 and a half points a game, and of the seven losses they have in conference, six of them have been by only one score. And the only time they lost by more than one score was against Oklahoma when there were some special teams shenanigans. The Sooners ran a, a fake field goal for a touchdown Beautiful. near the goal line. Yeah. So this is a really this is gonna be the best defense, in my opinion, that TCU has faced all season. And an offense that, like we said early on the podcast, you have several guys who are banged up right now. What what's the status of Quentin Johnston? He didn't practice yesterday. He is supposedly going to be ramping things up as this week goes on, but I'm guessing he's going to be a game-time call. Kendra Miller practiced uh, uh, yesterday. He might be a little sore for this game. Tay Barber I saw was going to be limited a little bit this week. Darius Davis obviously didn't play against Baylor, and I think Max is probably pretty beat up as well. So uh, you're going to need some guys to step up in this game. I think someone whether it's Savion Williams or uh, Jared Wiley or Amari DiMercato, Jaquarius Spivey, someone is going to have to step up amongst that group and and make some big plays in this game because I just have a hunch that one or two guys might not be available. That's just my gut feeling. It, it would be awesome if they do all play, but part of me wonders with the Big 12 championship game coming up, do you risk playing someone uh, with the chance that an injury is made worse and you lose them for a more important game? Um, so the, the health the health of TCU skill players will be uh, critical to watch down the down the stretch of this week here. And then you know, Iowa State offensively, they haven't had much of a run game, but they lean on Hunter Deckers and Xavier Hutchinson quite a bit. Xavier Hutchinson is big time. I know we had a, a pretty bad drop in a game, I believe, against Texas earlier Texas. this year. But mm-hmm. he is 
he is like a guaranteed 10 catches for 100 yards. And going up against Travis Hodges Tomlinson, that's going to be a, a really, really exciting matchup to watch. I'm really eager to see how that plays out. Uh, Hunter Deckers is a high-volume passer. He can throw for a lot of yards and a lot of touchdowns, but he also turns the ball over a lot. He has 13 interceptions on the season, so um, a very high-risk, high-reward quarterback. And Iowa State this year has just, we've, we've mentioned it before, they haven't been able to get out of their own way at times. So I think for TCU, defensively, I think they're really going to be challenged. I think they're going to have to make some turnovers happen. They're going to have to find ways to put this offense in a position to work with short fields because you might be a little shorthanded on that end. And it's going to be paramount for, for this team to not let Iowa State get going through the air. Um, find a way to create some turnovers. Take advantage of short field like you did against Texas Tech in the second half. Uh, it would be lovely if this game gets a little bit lopsided after the first half and you can rest some guys, but I don't think that's going to be the case. I know TCU right now I think is a 10-point favorite. I think it's going to be a closer game than that. I'm going to be very conservative uh, with my prediction, but those are my thoughts on the game. I think it's going to be a very physical game, and even though the Frogs are going to be playing at home, they're going to have to show up. They're going to have to execute. They can't beat themselves in this game. Yeah, Xavier Hutchinson is is absolutely the real deal, and and he's the exact kind of wide receiver that really gives uh, THT fits. I think not just the entire TCU secondary, but but Tomlinson in particular. I think we saw R- Rasheed Rice kind of bully Tomlinson early in that game against SMU. Um, you know. I don't know. That's that's probably a little overstating how how well Rice played in that game. But uh, you know, he did have that touchdown. He did. Um, he was making the plays where even though Tomlinson was in the right spot and had made the right play and was doing the right thing athletically and in coverage, still was able. Rice was able to make that play, and and Hutchinson will certainly be that kind of player as well. Both. Uh, six two plus two hundred pound plus, uh, big fast strong, uh, good route runners. Like it's it's the kind of thing that um certainly is something to watch. It's it's the matchup that will that perhaps will decide the game. I think um you know if you need to send uh, safety help over there, um what kind of whatever you need to do. I can definitely see also. Uh, Iowa State go to what what some of TCU's early opponents were trying. That was just kind of the the chuck it up there. Hutchinson must be down there somewhere. Let me just throw it and you know hope to get a, a PI or hope that he comes down with the ball. Um, you know maybe that leads to uh, some bad interceptions, but it could lead to to big yards and big plays as well. So um, certainly a key matchup there and. Uh, yeah, I think coming into the season, I mean, a lot of people had really big hopes for the Iowa State running game as if it were the scheme and the system and, and Matt Campbell and all of that that was making Brees Hall be Brees Hall. And it turns out Brees Hall is just Brees Hall. And it's it's not – you can't just plug in Jareel Brock or Cartavius Newton and say – go be Brees Hall. They're just not capable of doing that. And, um, you know, I think it's, it's similar to what like the Oklahoma state, um, running game where, uh, you know, they, they keep feeding what's his name, Dom Richardson, but he's not Chuba Hubbard. He's not those guys that they've had in the past. So I, you know, I think they will continue to try to feed him, feed Brock and Norton the rock, but, um, I, I do think that TCU's defense will will be able to hold up there. Offensively, you know, this is this is another really concerning game where the offensive line will have a, a tough task in front of it. Um, Garrett Riley will have to to really scheme some stuff up. 
uh, particularly if a lot of that skill talent is out. I mean, it's going to be very difficult to, you know, I'd, I'd love to say this is the Blair Conright game. This is the game where he comes out and, and becomes the guy again and, and maybe, but we, we haven't really seen it this season. And, you know, I, it, it seemed like he and Max had had a connection back a couple years ago or uh, over the last two seasons. And this season there's been nothing there. So maybe they can get on the same page. Um, and maybe we, maybe we see a lot of Jordan Hudson again, finally, I, I think we'd love to see the freshmen have a, have a big breakout game. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think we're, we're all very nervous or at least maybe I'm, I'm, I'm speaking for the frog fans as a whole. I think for myself, maybe I'll say that um, I'm somewhat nervous about this game just because it's one that TCU could lose. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think we have to have a little bit of faith in, uh, you know, Garrett Riley is now up for the Broyles award for, for top coordinator. I think that's, you know, that's deserved. Joe Gillespie has earned some, some uh, grace and, and faith in what he's doing defensively. And, and so is this team as a whole. So I, I, I do think if we're going to go ahead and jump ahead to predictions, I think TCU is, comes out and, and does win this game by making a statement, scores enough points offensively to, to really separate and whether Iowa state scores some points late or, you know, maybe it's close into the fourth quarter and TCU kind of grinds it down and, and gets a couple scores, but I do have the frogs winning 34, 17 as my prediction on this game. Yeah. I'm going a little bit more conservative. I'm still picking the frogs to win as usual. I'm still picking the frogs to cover the spread as usual, but 21 to 10 is my final score prediction for this game. I just feel like with the injuries that TCU is dealing with right now on the offensive side, I feel like the combination of the injuries and Iowa State's stout defense are going to make things a challenge. But I think Joe Gillespie, much like the Texas game, where that defense was clearly challenged uh, to stop B. John Robinson and make a statement in that game, they absolutely delivered there. I think this is another week where uh, you you really got to lean on your defense a little bit to, to make some things happen. I think the Frogs will do that. I think they'll make enough plays on special teams to get into some good field position. Uh, 21-10 is my final score prediction. Frogs will finish 12-0 and and go into the college football playoff rankings next Tuesday as the number three team in the country after whoever loses the big one up north yeah so just like going into the final game against iowa state is 2014 going in to the final week as number three (laughs) in the college football playoff is also (laughs) they they want that three Uh, back it's it's coming full circle oh man yeah i know there's there's a lot of parallels it oh yeah I, i think this last week, this Baylor game, really, it, it felt like it it exercised some of the demons of certainly 2014's uh, game in Waco, mm-hmm. but also the the 2008 game, um, you know, we, against Utah, where it included a missed kick that uh, didn't, you know, the defense was not able to make a stand late in that game uh, to give the opportunity to win and and go to that Sugar Bowl 2008 year, so. I I think uh you know we're 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 clearing out all of the ghosts and and everything is all good moving forward. Um elsewhere in the Big 12, uh really the games of importance are Kansas State 12 point favorites in Lawrence against Kansas and Texas in Waco 8 and a half points. So both of the uh the teams vying for the Big 12 championship on the road, both are favored. Um I think that's right. Are they both on the road? I don't know. Um, in any case, both are favored. What do you think here? Kansas State, go ahead and take care of the Jayhawks and, and meet the Frogs in Arlington? Yeah, both uh, both Texas and Kansas State are at home. I think uh, Kansas still trying to sort of figure things out. Jalen Daniels just coming back. Baylor uh, might be looking for a little bit of revenge after losing a tough one to, to TCU. I think... Uh, Kansas State, both Texas and Kansas State, I think will win. 
but obviously the Wildcats having a, a one game advantage in the conference standings will clinch a spot in the big 12 game against TCU uh, Oklahoma state playing host to West Virginia. Not really sure what to expect there. Um, Spencer Sanders just does not look like himself right now. JT Daniels. Or does he? Does he not? Does he not look like himself? I don't, okay, they, sorry. <laughs> had, I mean, they've had three different quarterbacks play over the last four weeks. I don't know what to expect from from Oklahoma State with the way the season has gone for them and all the injuries. But West Virginia benched JT Daniels for, for Garrett Green. He's kind of a high-risk, high-reward player as well. Um, hopefully that'll be entertaining. I'll I'll go ahead and just pick. Oklahoma State for the sake of looking for of for the sake of making TCU's resume a little bit stronger there, uh, and then Texas Tech and Oklahoma Red Raiders hosting the Sooners who are two point favorites. Um, I'm going to go with the upset here. I'll go with Texas Tech. Uh, put the first quarter aside. Oklahoma didn't look very impressive in in that Bedlam game. I think defensively they stepped up, but. Uh, Dylan Gabriel just collectively hasn't been as sharp this season as I thought he would. I thought he was going to come into this system like some of these other quarterbacks have over the last few years and really just kind of light it up. And I'm not saying Dylan Gabriel is in the same category as Jalen Hurts or Kyler Murray or Baker Mayfield, but he's had a really successful career and he's been a high level player. So I'm a little disappointed I guess with the kind of season that he's had um and Texas Tech coming off a uncharacteristically difficult performance offensively against a, a tough Iowa State team I think they're going to blow this open against a a pretty mediocre Sooner defense I'll take Texas Tech yeah on that one I think I'm going to take the other side I mean yes I, I think for Dylan Gabriel he wasn't coming into the Lincoln Riley system so you know it's a little bit it's a tough standard to hold up to what, you know, what Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts and Baker Mayfield had done. Um, but Oklahoma's just a, they're better football team. And I, I can't put aside that first half. I think that first half becomes two halves in Lubbock. Um, and, and they, they take care of business there. Um, in any case, yeah, we've got eight teams from the big 12 are going bowling, um, really now it's, it's kind of jockeying for that position of who, who goes to which bowls and who ends up in Arlington against the frogs. So should be a pretty interesting close to the season in the big 12, if not any massive stakes on the table, um, outside of, of the wildcats and longhorns. All right. I think that's all for football for now, for the week. Um, on the other football we've got you know we've got the world cup going on so we've been we've been watching soccer Mm -hmm. (laughs) but uh tcu soccer um season came to a close uh this past week so uh they did win in uh in i guess the second round against michigan state took a a 1-0 win on the road (laughs) that the second round was and third round were played in south bend indiana uh, at host Notre Dame, who is the one seed. Uh, this game against Michigan State, they had to clear the field of like uh, inches of snow. It, it was freezing and and pouring snow throughout the game and uh, looked like a miserable time all around. But uh, TCU went ahead and scored in like the opening minutes. Cam Lancaster uh, took a pass from Shalen Hubbard um, right at, at top of the box and just took the left foot laser into the net. Um, it was awesome. They, they celebrated and then got to, got to defend for the next 85 minutes and close that game out, um, against, uh, I guess they were the four seed in, in the bracket, but Michigan state went into the tournament as number six overall in the rankings. So, uh, certainly it was a tough contest that the frogs came out on top, um, in regulation there, but <clears throat> in the second matchup, uh, in the sweet 16. So, Winning that game, though, TCU advanced to the Sweet 16 for the third consecutive year, um, one of those years winning and going to the Elite Eight. So uh, this program is is certainly one of the best in the country and, and continues to uh, really put on a great, great show for the Frogs. Um, but in that Sweet 16 game, did end up losing to Notre Dame 2-0. to zero. Notre Dame 
really plays kind of a similar style to the Frogs. A lot of possession, um, but really were able to do it better than TCU in that game. Just really held possession and then took advantage of its opportunities uh, where TCU wasn't able to. TCU had a couple of really great shots that uh, had one header off off the uh, uh, off the woodwork there, and another uh, just excellent save from the the Notre Dame keeper where um, Peyton Cruz sent a long shot that was destined for the corner of the the back of the net, and and just a brilliant save from from Notre Dame. So. Uh, Tough way to go out, but another uh, season to be proud of for TCU soccer. Yeah, and TCU volleyball, uh, keeping up the success as well. We talked about volleyball on the podcast last week, uh, getting a a win against West Virginia, following that up now with a a 3-1 win over Kansas State at Schollmeyer was the senior night match for the Frogs and uh, defeating Kansas State. Three to one, frogs are now fifteen and ten overall, and ten and five in the Big Twelve. This is a school record for most wins in a season in the Big Twelve. Uh, just a really tremendous turnaround for a program that had been kind of scuffling for for a few years. But uh, Jason Williams, in his first year as head coach, has really helped turn this thing around. Just some notable uh, Performances from this game, Audrey Nalls had a double-double with 14 kills and 17 digs in the back row, so a really solid all-around performance from the outside hitter. Uh, Michaela Myers and Jalen Gibson both really stepped up defensively, combining for 20 kills and 13 blocks in this game, so really solid stuff there. Callie Williams, a senior, had 37 assists to facilitate that offense along with 14 digs, so a double-double for her. And Mackenzie Nichols, another senior who uh, had been a starter, had 11 digs in this game as well. So really, really good stuff from TCU Volleyball. Uh, They will have one match remaining, I believe, against Oklahoma. That'll be on Saturday. That'll close out the regular season. Um, If they do have some postseason stuff coming up after that, they will find out uh, what their fate will be there after that match. But Uh, One last match in in Big 12 play, so hoping to continue to hear some great things on the volleyball court. Yeah, and sitting in third in the Big 12 conference is is pretty remarkable. I mean, it's hard to crack that top two. Uh, Texas and Baylor are kind of uh, juggernauts of of the sport, but um, to, to sit there third is, yeah, it's it's been a, a very impressive season uh, in, in his first year in the job. TCU basketball also, so since last time we talked, TCU did get a, a dominant win, looked more like the team that we expected them to be, uh, defeating Louisiana Monroe 95-60. to 60. Um, And it really just finally kind of making shots and not allowing shots to be made on the other end. I mean, it sounds simple, but man, they, they had not been able to score uh, to open the season. And... Um, Mike Miles went crazy, but uh, you know, still, still kind of hampered with that injury going into this Emerald Coast Classic in the Destin, Florida area uh, through this Thanksgiving weekend. And their first game is against Cal, and Cal is having a terrible season. Um, they, they are, they have lost five games. They've lost all their games so far. They're zero and five. Um, those games are all against also pretty terrible competition. One game against uh, Kansas State that's you know kind of acceptable, but man, just a just a really very poor start to Cal season, which sets up for TCU has got to win this game. They've got to be impressive in this in this game. Um, you know, it's it's uh, Friday night, eight thirty p.m. on CBS Sports Net. So if you have that in your cable package definitely check out the frogs. They, they have to win this game. I mean, it's, it's a massive one as far as like TCU can't drop another one of these non-conference gimme mm-hmm. games. They just can't do it. Um, having already suffered the loss to Northwestern state. So the resume is already kind of teetering on edge with that loss. And, and this would probably end up qualifying as another Q4 game that, uh, even at a neutral site, 
uh, TCU just has to win. Yeah, and TCU falling out of the top 25 rankings after that loss against Northwestern State when they were ranked number 15. Uh, I, I, I hope that doesn't sit well with the guys, and I hope they come out and, and really play well. You started to see it finally against Louisiana Monroe. Uh, Emmanuel Miller has been really solid all around. I think you could argue that he's been TCU's best player this season. I know Mike Miles had a, a crazy game against Lamar, but dealing with a little bit of a bone bruise in his foot, hopefully he gets back sooner than later. Uh, Damian Ball, of course, is still suspended, but he's going to be coming back after serving that six-game ban. His first game um, to be eligible for will be uh, November 30th against Providence, and that's going to be a, a big-time test and, and the first, I guess, uh, gauge of how good this team really is because Providence will be by far uh, the best team that TCU has faced uh, throughout the season. So uh, happy to see the Frogs finally get some positive momentum going against Louisiana Monroe. Again, Manuel Miller, Chuck O'Bannon, uh, Micah Peavy, some of those guys that had kind of uh, struggled a little bit, like Jacoby Coles finally coming along and making some shots. TCU shot, I believe, 53% from the field in the game and 50% from three-point range. So uh, not that those numbers are sustainable consistently across the schedule, but uh, much better than the 19% that they had been shooting from three-point range and and under 40% from the field. So uh, hopefully the Frogs continue to uh, make their way offensively and and get back to the, the style of defense that we've seen under Jamie Dixon. Yeah, and Rondell Walker even got it going in that Monroe game where he had three three pointers in that one where I'm not sure he had hit any yet through the season. So I think that was that's big to to get him some offensive work as well. I don't we hadn't seen too much out of him on that end of the floor. Um so if if TCU would play TCU wins against Cal, they would play the winner of Iowa Clemson. So both of them are are a little bit better level of competition than Cal is. Uh, Iowa is actually at number twenty five in in the rankings at this point, but um, you know this early in the season, it's hard to tell if either of them are uh, tournament caliber teams. But they are very likely to be in that bubble race if TCU ends up right there. So it's, it's the kind of opportunity that you get on a neutral court. Um, you really need to win that Cal game and then, and then win that, uh, that finale against the winner of Clemson, Iowa to, you know, get a trophy, get an Emerald coast classic trophy, whatever that's <laughs> worth. But, but really just adding, adding that, uh, that win to the resume would be big. All right. I think that's all we've got. We're going to we're going to cut it there. We're just over an hour. Really appreciate everyone and I guess just for, you know, uh we'll have some stuff going up for Thanksgiving so you can you can keep reading on the website, keep uh keep following. Hopefully, please uh you know, we we appreciate you. You know, that's Thanksgiving. We're 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 most thankful I think uh for for this opportunity to to talk to you sports um to to share in in all this excitement of uh, everything that TCU has to offer right now. And, and we're thankful to, to share that with all of you, our readers and listeners. So um, certainly uh, I'll, I'll say it every podcast, but you know, it's especially true here on Thanksgiving. Th- thank you all so much for, for following us on, on Facebook, Instagram, all the interaction with us, game threads, all of that. We'll, we'll continue to be active with you and um, you know, give the, give the podcast a subscribe and a follow and all of that. Go catch us on YouTube um and and really looking forward to this weekend with a lot of exciting stuff basketball and football on the agenda for uh for big games yeah you know you couldn't have said it better uh really thankful for all the support that we've had i think we just got over twenty thousand followers on twitter which is which is really great to see and uh the following on on youtube and on spotify on the podcast has been great uh, follow along on the game thread. We'll have the game thread going for Iowa State on Saturday. Follow along on Twitter. Uh, follow us on Facebook. Uh, we're all over social media. So uh, appreciate all the support. Really thankful for all the support. Um, looking forward to stuff in my face tomorrow. I hope you guys all do as well. And uh, going to be enjoying some NFL football on Thanksgiving and then some college football on Saturday. I think it's a, 
a great way to spend the weekend uh, with the family as well. So, uh, that's- yeah, get your nap in during the uh, during the Lions game. Like, <laughs> I, yeah. I'll be watching for fantasy purposes, but after okay. that. Get your DeAndre Swift points going. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I I know he's gonna score a garbage time touchdown. He's on he's on my bench right that's, now for Zeke. I might have to pull a last minute flip. Oh, that's that's a tough one. That's a that's a turkey day conundrum right yep. there. I don't know. That's gonna be like the turkey or ham choice. You might be waking up and you know, I there need to roll with one of the other meats there. All right. I think with that we'll close it. Thanks everyone. Have a good one. Enjoy the holiday. And stay safe and go Go Frogs. frogs.